Filmmaker Commentary, episode 185. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with... Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Creepshow, 1982, directed by George Romero, written by Stephen King. What was the budget and box office for this film? So, the Creepshow came in at a $8 million budget, which was pretty hefty for its time and its genre, and ended up worldwide grossing $21 million. Not too bad. No, sir. Not too bad at all. Okay, that's a win. Um, did it win? Oh, and I know it was in the 80s or whatever. Did they kind of track the international or they just kind of lumped it as whatever? Yeah, that's just the U.S. and worldwide are the same. Okay. So, yeah. Got it. Um, but that, that can't be fully accurate because I saw the posters where they, they this thing <laughs> did drop in other countries because they show on the, the DVD and Blu-rays like they've got images of the posters that were for the other countries so. shame 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 and we know also like like with um evil dead they probably you know maybe pre-sold some rights in some of these other yeah uh territories so and i think uh the producer actually breaks down how that deal went down which i'll kind of talk about a little bit in the business section um uh, but what was like the sentiment and did it win any awards so no major awards were, were won for the Creep Show. It was nominated for Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films for Best uh, Poster Art and by the Saturn Awards for Best Horror Film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it did not win. Uh, as far as the sentiment at the time, I pulled a, an excerpt from a, a review by one of uh, the late, great Roger Ebert okay. from 1982. Um, I want to say this was like in January of, of 1982. But it says uh, the the original full name of EC Comics was Educational Comics. And you get an education, all right. You learned it was unwise to stick your hand in a box labeled Dangerous, Do Not Open. It was unwise to speak ill of the dead. And it was quite unwise to assume that cockroaches would never decide to gang up and fight back. Yikes. But he had he had a, a pretty positive review overall of the okay. creep show. He, he gave a shout out to George Romero and Stephen King and, and in terms of their the, the care they gave to the genre and he, he understood clearly that the characters while not necessarily three dimensional but more so like they're kind of objects and to kind of face lessons that they experience Got and on. he says and they often deserve what they get yeah yeah so it was a pretty pretty it was, it was, a, it was a cool little review okay okay but it's going on to become this is like a a fan favorite kind of a cult not, I don't see even a cult hit it did, it did well for its time and it spun yeah. off a lot of the a lot of the anthology horror movies that came after it, like right. Tales from the Dark Side, yeah, uh, came came because of. I mean, how can we not mention uh, Tales from the Crypt? Tales from the Crypt, yes, sir. Like, come on, yeah, like, that's but, like like a better version, right? It's almost you got the the Skeletor. It's you know got a little bit more budget there. Yeah, but it all yeah, but it all builds off the the back of Creep, Creep Show. Show. Yeah, it's cool to see an origin story where everybody kind of got their idea from. Yes, sir. Um, but before we talk further about 
creep show let's talk about tv news and movies watched all right so in the news according to actually i'm gonna i'm gonna hit a couple of headlines first just okay. to kind of real brief touch on some headlines i'm not gonna dive in then i'll dive into a couple of actual stories because there's a couple of things that caught my eye so one is that according to deadline Usher is to headline Super Bowl. Oh, I gotta get my Roman numerals here down. Um, <laughs> AF58. Is that right? L, L is 50, right? Hey, don't get me lying. Super Bowl 58. <laughs> yeah. Usher is to headline Super Bowl 58 halftime show in Las Vegas. It's always funny. It's like, why are we doing this? Like, <laughs> tradition. <laughs> Let's, yeah. Give us numbers. No, it is, it is what it is. Everybody's got to use their brains for once a year. Yeah, I was like, the L's. That's the, thing. the L is a 50. <laughs> the V is a 5. And then the little little dots, the I's. Are Either the, add are or the, take away. Yeah, the ads are the ones that they go after. If they are to the right of the number. Adding. Ha-ha. Roman math. <laughs> but, yeah, so that I thought that was worth mentioning. And, oh, and this one I thought was just fascinating. Wheel of Fortune under new host Ryan Seacrest reveals what will change. That's also according to Deadline. Ah. So those are just the two headlines I just wanted to Seacrest. I forgot about Seacrest. Like, yeah. He's still killing it. He's you, a business mogul with that stuff. With TV. You know, he finds a way, man. He finds a way from, uh, well, he was, you know, host, started off hosting American Idol back in the day. Then he had his, his own, he has his own like radio show like for the longest. Mm -hmm. And he's also like a major producer on these TV shows. Like he can hire himself. So it's very interesting how he, he's figured it out. Then he was co-hosting with uh, Kelly Ripa on, uh, Oh yeah, that was the the morning show that they, (laughs) (laughs) Reginald's giving, speaking of Romans, Reginald's giving a thumbs thumbs down. down. (laughs) What say ye? Off with a head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you get used to uh, Michael Strahan being on there and his vibe with uh, Kelly, uh-huh. like they had like good charisma. Strahan's good always chemistry. entertaining. Yeah. And then you have Ryan Seacrest. It was just like, it was a little awkward. It was just, oh. at times it was a little awkward. It was like, ah, oh, next, you know, next channel. Now she's got her hubby on there. So nonetheless. I haven't haven't seen that one. I've seen clips. Yeah. It's like her, her husband now is the co-host. That's been maybe for the past I don't know how much time maybe maybe it's been a year i don't know but i've just seen some clips here and there but now yeah, yeah so it's like, okay cool someone you know you got chemistry with yeah but they're making it work <laughs> officially officially right. right so speaking officially official story is oh. by variety and it's that invincible creator robert kirkman wants the animated series to run for seven to eight seasons that would be enough to cover the entire comic end quote the invisible invincible Ooh. Yes, Hello, Robert Kirkman, <laughs> the creator of the Invincible comic series, believes seven to eight seasons of the animated superhero show would be enough to cover the scope of its story. I'm trying to not pin down a, a number because it's somewhat of a moving target. I think that seven to eight seasons range seems like it would be enough, Kirkman said in a recent interview with Polygon. But there could be some things we move through a little faster and some things that we expand. If we're fortunate enough to go for a good long time, I think that would be enough to cover the entire comic that's dope do it do it whoever's responsible for giving them the money give it <laughs> yes sir <laughs> and the last story that i'll cover is according to IndieWire as well uh studios give best and final offer to wga response expected sunday sunday as in the, the as as of the time of this recording yeah 
Uh, and it says negotiations between the WGA and the AMPTP have ended for the day on Saturday with the studios offering the Writers Guild what a source has described as their latest, best, and final offer and which the WGA will now review. It's expected that the Guild will respond by tomorrow, which would be today, uh, ahead of the Jewish holiday beginning uh, at sundown on Sunday. Oh, my God. After three straight days of talks in which the Hollywood CEOs were in the room, both sides uh, on Saturday brought in lawyers to finalize the deal language of a new three-year contract, considered the last step and the home stretch in negotiations. On Saturday, just two major deal points remained unsettled, with some reports suggesting that the contract specifics around AI protections were among the sticking points. Drama. Yes, sir. So, who knows? Maybe, I don't know, maybe today... Yeah, come to a deal before I guess so as, of, as of this time if they're in California probably the sun is getting close to sundown over there as of this recording but we shall see yeah man oh, yeah I wonder what that's gonna look like I don't think there's a deal that uh, it always feels like they want more and the studios are gonna give less it's uh, just the nature of what streaming is right now these writers say that they're better the temptations the Paul Tots <laughs> all put together what we shall see. We shall see. Oh, man, he set them up for failure. <laughs> Give it up for the five heartbeats. <laughs> they messing up my song. They messing up my song. Whenever I say we shall see, I, my mind all never goes to that scene every time. What? We shall see. see. <laughs> hey, get off my back, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Man, what you been watching? Uh, I took in a couple things. Yep. We we had a little bit of a, a little extra time to, to get in a little extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Actually, one bit of news that I won't pull from a specific source, but so I, I watched the show Winning Time on Max, mm-hmm. which is the one about the Lakers dynasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite shows. I freaking love Winning Time. Mm-hmm. It's not 100% historically accurate. It is, it is kind of highly dramatized, yeah. but it's mad entertaining. Okay. And so they just wrapped up the second season and the series is canceled. Why? I thought that was getting good ratings. Maybe so, because of the strike. Well, they say that ultimately in this new streaming era, it's not about ratings. It's about does it bring new subscribers? That's ultimately what it boils no, down that, to for streaming services. Because yeah. they spend all this money to you know develop it and make it, and it's not they're getting necessarily ad revenue per se. That's so weird. it's about can does the, does the show bring in another audience that causes people to want to subscribe to the service? Like, oh. The move, the model. And other people have spoke on this. I wish I could remember what professional I said that. But basically, the streaming model is broken. Yeah. Uh, because you have put a value. <laughs> you know, there used to be like a flat rate to to watch something. You know, mm-hmm. you, you pay with your time. You see advertisements. You pay with a subscription and, you know, whatever. But when you try to bundle everything together, like really, 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 really devalue it. So it's like everybody's expecting a million movies for four ninety nine a month, you know, and it's But also to base to base the the validity of a show or movie on whether or not it causes new subscribers to come through. It's like, well you probably already have a chunk Yeah, and you already probably have a chunk of that population based on some other similar property that's already on your platform. Yeah. And so and then if you're if you're targeting like for example the US market there's a cap there. <laughs> you know, there's only so many people that are willing to to subscribe to, i.e. Netflix. And as you bring in more platforms, that divides it up. Kind of like, I mean, 
kind of what what it, it's kind of like what it was with the cable companies before before Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Netflix was the game in town. Hulu had some stuff, but Netflix was the game. Yep. Disney Plus comes in that that brings some disruption. You know, now you got Paramount Plus doing their thing, and also, oh, sorry, I don't forget Amazon. Amazon was doing their thing too. Oh yeah, probably the best way too. Yeah, but it's you know one thing that because uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago I turned on my Spectrum cable and a message popped up that says you know. We're, you know, in negotiations with Disney, and they they decided to pull all their channels from our program. Right. I was like, that's okay, interesting. But that meant like ABC and ESPN. I was like, oh, okay. But then within a week, they had like resolved the thing. They said, you know, send a, they said send a message to Disney. All right, cool, fine, whatever. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll send a message, and they got it all worked out. Where apparently now, with certain Spectrum packages, of course you'll have your the regular Disney channels like any other Spectrum member. But now also you'll be able to get access to Disney Plus. Okay. As well, and that Disney will get like at uh, you, you'll get the commercial version of Disney Plus. Okay. But Disney will also get like they'll get that like they'll get that ad revenue too. So it's super fascinating to see. I'm like that's interesting, but it's kind of kind of bucks the model. So I don't know. That's it's going to be an interesting development to see how how that rolls and what that looks like with other companies in the future because it is yeah a bit of a broken so it's model. Can- so going all the way back, basically, TV sh- the TV show was canceled because they're looking for new subscribers. But potentially, describe. I don't know if that's a good argument. It's like I, I agree. I don't. I don't. I don't agree with the argument. But I don't know what other metric they're gonna they're gonna use to. I don't know how they're gonna just to justify it. But I know that not every new show is bringing just a bunch of new subscribers. It's no. Been, uh, yeah. I'm like they. I don't know. It's. I don't. There's very rarely on all of these streaming services that I pull out my money. To subscribe for a specific show, exactly, and then cancel out. Mm-hmm. You know, I know people do that for like Game of Thrones and certain things like that, but very rarely have I done that. Yeah, I don't know that I. The only thing I would do that with would maybe be like an anime kind of channel. There was a season of something I wanted to just watch. I would do that with like an anime channel because only there's very few anime yeah. shows that I watch, though I I enjoy it. And would they count that as like some of the data could be misleading because would they would I count as a new subscriber? But then what about when I leave? So is retention important? Yeah, they they want that consistent. Well, they want the consistent revenue, but right. they also want they want the new subscriber. Yeah, to bring the consistent revenue. Right. That's what that's what they want ultimately. But I know, but there's a gap, right? It's it's, it's super finite mm-hmm. um, versus the kind of the pay pay per option. I don't know, man. It's I think the best model for streaming is free. Honestly, oh, it's a freemium like with just bringing the ad revenue, yeah, basically got like cable. Then, yeah, absolutely. I think that's mm. the best model. Um, there's a reason why I like places like Tubi, Pluto, and all those places. Freebie, I can't lie, you know, yeah. when I watch my stuff on Freebie, I mean, I, when I watch Dallas on Freebie, I know the commercials are coming, I'm like, all right, yeah, it means what it is, but I, but it's the cost, right? Yeah, yeah, nonetheless. So, it, man, it might, this might be just a big experiment that. Once it got oversaturated with too many competitors, that may be kind of what, I don't know, maybe what killed it. Or or taking some of the things that, that big high-end blockbusters and putting them on there with the, where, you, where the cost isn't mitigated by it going into the theaters. Mm-hmm. I think that may be kind of be one of the things, like, you know, with Disney Plus, some of these shows, some pretty big budgets to see the effects, even some of these Netflix shows. Again, when I talked about Extraction 2, yeah. that is not a small budget film. And they have several, like Ryan or Ryan Reynolds, his action movie he had on there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Gal Gadot, The Rock, and 
Yeah, I remember what you, that that the red red notice. Mm-hmm. Like those are kind of those are high end like blockbuster movies, and they're just dropping on on Netflix. You know, those cost millions of dollars to make, and there's not a lot of new subscribers coming to Netflix. Netflix has been around long enough. If you're on it, you're on it, or you know maybe you're on a subscription, and now you know they're trying to like, hey, all right, you know, got to sign up for your own or whatever. But I wonder, I haven't been keeping up with that part, like because I actually haven't really been on Netflix, and since they made that switch, right. Uh, yeah, I haven't been, I mean, been busy with other things, but like, out of all the subscription models and things that's watched, I think YouTube has my attention more than any of these platforms. I gotta agree. I watch a lot yeah. of YouTube. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I watch a lot of YouTube. That's like, uh, like kind of like a daily thing. Like, I, in my opinion, I think YouTube has kind of replaced what television was. So like, the attention is there, it kind of plays in the background or whatever. Um, when you want to watch something intentional, okay, I'm going to go to Blockbuster and get this movie. But instead of us going to Blockbuster, we go to Netflix or we go to whatever to watch yeah. that movie, then come back to YouTube. And even at times on YouTube, I mean, obviously they got they have YouTube TV where you can subscribe mm-hmm. to that. But they also have got, you know, movies you can rent directly mm-hmm. on YouTube for reasonable prices. So it's, I don't know, it's interesting. But nonetheless, so Good we'll stuff. see. Good yeah, we'll stuff. see. We'll see what happens. Um, right. But so yeah, I've been watching Winning Time. I finished. I finished mm-hmm. that second season, and I'm sad to see it. Sad to see it go. But I even before I heard the news, I knew it was over mm-hmm. just by the way the, the way it ended and just some of the post credit information that was showing on the screen. I'm like, oh crap, they're ending the show. I just knew. Uh, it. I was like, dad gum. That's ah, that's frustrating. No closure. No closure after it. Or just with the with the verbiage was the closure, like oh, okay, because it went on to talk about more of the history between the lake. I'm like, crap. Uh, they're, they're telling all this. Yeah, this is done. This show is done. And they they obviously added added this in towards the last edit. And said, all right, put that on there. It's it's over. And then I saw the official article. I was like, <laughs> you know, it's like, right, man. So yeah, I've been watching that. What about you? Um, we watched um. Uh, me, my son, actually the whole family we watched Friday Night Lights, the movie. It's been a while. We mm. watched that one. Um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned in sports films. Yes, sir. Uh, and this one in particular, dealing with high school. I got a high school kid, and he's in, he has a hurt knee right now. And mm. so him seeing the character of Booby in Friday Night Lights kind of gave some teaching points because my son wanted to go out and play. He has a hurt knee, still wants to go out there and play. I was like, uh, you know what? Let's watch this film. <laughs> Son, sit down. Let's sit down. down. <laughs> Let's take a beat. Yes. And like you know, that was that was it was cool to like watch the game and then see like how this this town was Abilene, you know, for Abilene, and then we see the the background of the the Carter High guys from Dallas, that clash of race in the eighties. It was like, man, this is it was pretty good. Forgot about how good this one was. We covered Friday Night Lights during our football. Run yes, we films. did. Yeah, absolutely. We covered. And it's kind of mixed in my mind with we we that one in a given Sunday. Gridiron Grit, Gang. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Remember the Titans. That one was a good one. That uh, one right there is a good one. We also there was another one that we did right, or maybe I'm thinking. I guess it is Friday Night Lights. Did we do uh, the funny one? Um, no, I mean I don't remember any comical football movies. Oh, what's the, what's that one? It's oh, I can't think of the name of it. Well, Adam Sandler, one of those. No, but it, it, it's 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 a funnier one. But it's it's but it, the it's, longest yard. No, it, it, it's it, these the are younger. It came out in the nineties, and these are younger guys. Oh, the Giants, the little kids, the little Giants. No, these are high, they're high school students. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running through Varsity, them. Varsity Blues. Oh, Vanderbeek. 
Yeah, uh, we didn't. We didn't. We cover didn't cover that one. No, we didn't. Yeah, was that one good? It's 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 been so long. I know. It's 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 a nineties. It's a nineties film. Yeah, it is a nineties film. But you you never saw it. Man, maybe in passing. Only the only thing I remember is the little short, stocky guy that was in Entourage and uh, in Boiler Room. Uh, remember him being in Var- he was like the crazy guy in Varsity Blues. Then you had the big guy, big fella in Vanderbeek. That's all I remember. Just their some of their antics. I don't remember nothing else. I think it, it might be interesting to to revisit if we decide to do a, a, fo- a football run again because there's some other football films right. worth tackling. No pun intended. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it was cool to to watch that film, and then did you see that uh, injury that Nick Chubb went through? I don't know who Nick Chubb is. He's one of the best running backs in NFL. Um, oh, for the Browns, and he's a big old stocky dude. Like he's hard to bring down, so people go for his legs, of course. So in the NFL, because of all the CTE concussion protocol and all that stuff, people, as you notice, like they've changed their tackling style. They just lunge at your legs now. Yeah, they like, don't see, wrap up or anything. So somebody caught him from the side. Oh no! Snap. More than caught. Uh, I want to say his right leg was planted. Right leg planted. Oh, Two big guys on the defensive line. One smashing him this way, the other one smashing his leg oh, the other way. Oh, gosh. And this guy is a, like, he is a big, strong dude. Like, his legs, it's hard to bring him down because he can, like, I think squat, like, 800 pounds. <laughs> six or 800 pounds this guy can do. Wow. You know, so this kind of give you an idea how big his legs are. And, like, man, and, and, and on top of that, people don't want to pay running backs. Even, like, elite. He's an elite running back. Because their lifespan is short. Yeah, so, like, uh, it's kind of, this is a hard way to make a living. It's kind of, it's, it's messed up. Like, some of the best running backs aren't getting, they just run them out the three years under the rookie contract and just kind of throw them, throw them to the wayside. Yeah. So, but now, and t- to compensate for that, a lot of people are doing like running back guy by committee where you have like three or four running backs and you just mm-hmm. keep, you just rotate them out so one person is. They can last a little bit longer and you don't have to. Dude, that's what we're doing in much. Cowboys. But anyhow, yeah. it, on top of him seeing that like knee incident, it's kind of opened up his eyes a little bit. Like, okay, this, this ain't. <sighs> yeah, it, it was gross, man. It was so bad that. Uh, they didn't show the replay. Uh, I think that was Monday Night Football, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. And they didn't show the replay, but you heard the crowd react to the replay in the stadium. They're like, oh. oh. And then they didn't show it online. I mean, on TV, which I'm great. You know, they, they're they getting better at that stuff. Because, I mean, you should see, you should see blood coming out of people's face and all this stuff. Oh. I remember, like, you see some jacked up stuff. Now they just cut the commercial. Somebody's almost dead. But you would never know because they're kinda, watching. It's kind of, gr- it's kind of, you know, there's a level of, like, there's, you know, sports, by and large, supposed to be, you know, family-friendly yeah. entertainment. Yeah. So a gruesome injury. Yeah, that could be drawing or scarring. Not only for younger ones, even for older ones, it, you know, or it, triggering. Yeah, and it kind of just breaks the magic of it's just all they're all okay. He's like, no, no, yeah, you don't realize what these people are doing for your entertainment. Kind of like the, like with, with the wrestling stuff. And listen to some more stuff about wrestler like uh, Kurt Angle. Is that his yeah, name? Kurt Angle talking about like how he broke his neck so many times and like after almost, after originally breaking it in in the Olympics, dude, just like, and but yeah, all the, and then the drugs all for our entertainment. Yeah, and um, often they're you know performing hurt. It's uh, it's nuts. Absolutely. So anyhow, um, Friday Night Lights, good film. Check it out. A lot of lessons in there. Okay, I watched a a, a movie on Hulu called Robots. Hmm. Is it animation? 
Now it's a live action film. Uh-oh. It's on set Hulu? On Hulu. Set slightly in the future. It it has a um our girl from the one of the young adult novel series, uh Kristen Stewart. No, no, she's like she's a, she's kind of adjacent to Kristen Stewart. She, mm. Shalana Woodley. Yeah, Shalana Woodley. But she's you know, she's all grown up now, adult, very attractive um woman. But nonetheless, so the premise is this there is a it's a future where all illegal immigrants have been deported, like deported to Mexico. And like, there's like a, a barrier there, like almost like a wall. And so without that labor in the States, they, they make robots that look like humans and they do all the menial labor and things like that, that most Americans don't, don't want to do. Black folks won't do it. No either. Yeah. So, but it is illegal oh. to have a robot of yourself doing other tasks and things like that. That's a, that's an illegal thing. Interesting. However, we have a um, a rich financial Uh-oh. advisor guy Breaking who is who is yeah he's using a robot to date to to date multiple women and then and woo them to the point where they want to sleep with him. And when that happens, the robot tags out, and this guy goes in sleeps with them. Appreciate that robot. Yeah, sleeps with them and then and then dumps them. <laughs> Like terrible, so that that's happening. But then there's another lady who has her own robot, who is using that robot to. So actually, she she does the opposite. She goes out with guys, convinces them to buy things for her. She finds like well off guys, and she's a gold digger basically. Mm-hmm. Gets guys to buy things for her, and then when they're ready to sleep with her, she tags in her robot to go and sleep with them. And so uh, that's a pretty convincing robot. If you can sleep with people and then no one would notice. Yeah. Like they're okay. Pro- program, whatever. So in these, and yeah. So, but yeah, so that's the, the premise of it. And, and this is in the trailer, but these robots, so somehow these, these, the, these people meet their one meets the other counterpart wise and they end up going on a date and things get mixed up where the robots end up in bed together. Oh, okay. And when that happens, like they malfunction and kind of like their minds open, like they orgasm <laughs> and their minds open up. Oh no! And now they want to be free. Transcend. What's it so, called when you're um, when you're all knowing now? Not all knowing, but um, you're free from the programming. Uh, there's like a name that they use in sci-fi for that. Waking up, uh, ascension, awareness, trans- transition. Oh, oh transcendent. Transcendent. I, I don't know. I'm assuming. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, there, yeah. there is a word for that. Yeah, when um, the AI has become all aware now. Yeah, but they, but they both become more self-aware, and mm-hmm. yeah, so it kind of, kind of goes from there. It's, it, it's, it was, a, it was an entertaining little film. Okay, robots. Yeah, an entertaining film, simply called Robots. Um, I watched. There's a Kevin Hart stand-up. Did you know there was a new Kevin Hart stand-up? I did not. What platform did I watch this on? Um, I think it was on Peacock. If I'm not mistaken, is it on Peacock? Oh my god, I gotta find out. That would make sense because he's uh, he's got his heart to heart show on there. Oh, I've been meaning to catch up on that because he had some pretty good episodes in his first season of Heart yeah. to Heart. So anyhow, watch that. I'm assuming it's on Peacock. I don't have that many apps open right at these right, times. Right. Uh, it was it was pretty good. I give it probably like a six and a half out of ten. 
maybe a seven, six and a half. But okay. It was funny. You know, it was like you kind of know Kevin Hart's tendencies now. Right. So, like, those certain things aren't as funny anymore because it's almost a character of himself. What you're on, you know, doing right. all the same stuff. Like, eh. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And, um, and then the camera, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but like a lot of times when he would, there was maybe like four or five camera angles. It was like moving too much. Like you have, oh. you have one angle that's like kind of on a dolly that's sliding. That's kind of normal. Uh, but some of the stationary cameras, they're like, I don't know if that was an editing thing, but it was, it was not good. Uh-oh. And I don't know if they did that on purpose. I don't know what, what was the reason. But it didn't, didn't seem to work for you. No, that it took away. You, like usually, the angles should not take away take you out of the joke. You mm. should be able to focus on the content. Ha <laughs> ha! They should not draw attention to themselves. And it was like it felt like it was a mistake, and they will cut to another one. Maybe they did this it. one too. Damn, this one too. <laughs> Three, four. Somebody stand still. I feel like somebody was switching in real time while they were doing their thing, and they just kept that edit. That's what I felt. That's what it feels like. Wow, interesting. Yeah. What was you remember the name of the special? Nope. <laughs> Kevin Hart. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Kevin Hart. Can't stand still. <laughs> yeah. 2023. But it came out this year, so. Kevin Hart. The first take. Yeah, the first take. <laughs> <laughs> so some chuckles here and there, but uh yeah, it's not his best, but it's better than the last one, I believe, which was during COVID. Was that in like London? It was the one he like did at his house. You know? Oh. Yeah. Was he really at his house, or was he like kind of had, had a stage that like, like, like emulated his home? I, ooh, if I'm not mistaken, he actually mentioned that this was his house because he had to do this during COVID. Mm. You know, like people were literally still in masks, oh. and so he had to like keep it real small, whatever. Um, yeah, people got creative during those times. Yeah, you had to. So like that one felt kind of weird. That one felt. <laughs> A lot of stuff was weird during, yeah, the, during, yeah. during the pandemic. <laughs> I think it was like in his pajamas or something. It, like it was it Kevin. Are you trying? Are you trying? Yeah. Trying, Kevin? What's going like, on? Like it, it was, you know, it was cool, but it was just like, what are we doing? But anyhow, this time it was okay. It was good. It was solid. Okay, so I took a, I took the plunge. I, I we, we had talked about this maybe even on the previous show, but. I had seen the trailer for this film originally when I went to go see Scream 6. It was for Evil Dead Rise. Oh, dear at, God. At the time when I saw the trailer in the theater, I said, hell to the no. <laughs> but it, it's been on Max and I saw it pop up there and something something got, it, got a little itch. I was like, Uh-oh. I'm curious. <laughs> we got him. I was like, how will this really be scary? <laughs> hmm. So I took the plunge. And uh, I watched Evil Dead Rise on Max. I watched it on a maybe on a Saturday, and it was it was still like it was light outside. Yeah, it was still it was still light. Uh, it was strategic. There's still some daylight. Some hope. There's just some hope in the world. Some yeah, light. Just in case you got to bail out. Just in case I had to queue it up, stepping outside. What are you doing, Run Ron? I'm just stretching, just taking a little break. No, but by the time I finished it, it was it was it was dark. Darkness. Oh, we got falls him. across the line. But honestly, it was. It has a lot of it has a lot of like kind of callbacks to the original Evil Dead. They're like these moments, and yeah, go ahead. And uh, it kind of it kind of continues the lore. It, it, I'll give it credit for I think it kind of makes sense within the Evil Dead universe, if you will. Mm. I'm like, oh, this is it, it was I was kind of I was I was kind of fascinated by how the story worked and even kind of how how it came about, especially remembering the first one. I won't give away any spoilers, but 
it was solid and it was it wasn't it was, I wasn't like terrified I didn't have nightmares like okay. I don't, films don't really give me nightmares so like, it was but it was it was fairly well done and uh, I was like okay it was it was fairly enjoyable I was like this wasn't bad it wasn't <laughs> yeah I, I wasn't uh, terrified I was like oh this is it was it was solid. It was a it was a horror movie. But maybe I'm maybe I'm just desensitized. Yeah, I mean, what has this podcast done to us? Reginald? Yeah, I think nothing can compare to hereditary. Hereditary, that hereditary ruined me. I'm like, ah, nothing is scary now. And again, hereditary is not necessarily. I don't remember it being like it's overly, disturbing. Yeah, it's it's disturbed. The images are very disturbing. Um, and then if you're religious, it's gonna it's gonna rattle. It's gonna trigger you. We don't have to bring it back up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Evil Dead Rises. Yes. Oh good. yeah. <laughs> no need to bring that up. It was after watching Rush, I was like, Reginald, why in the world <laughs> you put this on me, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> but no, Evil Dead Rise. Um, again, it's it's. There's some gore within yeah. it. There's some definite gore within it, but I thought within the Evil Dead universe, I'm like this was a very interesting entry, but it seems to kind of make sense. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like it was. Just, oh, you know, it was doing us to do this. It, it yeah, it was interesting. Very, it was, it was very interesting. We watched a trailer. I think me and my wife did the Red Band trailer, mm-hmm. and then you. I forgot what website. There's a website where it uh, for parents or like reviews like what's in it, so it could be like. There's two scenes or like eight scenes of graphic violence. And then it'll tell you what the graphic violence is and what okay. else was like, there's a cheese grater involved. And I was like, ah, or it, that, yeah. yeah, that, that scene was the, yeah. I think that seemed like that was in one of the trailers with the cheese grater when that's yeah. used. And it's, it, that's pretty much it. Like what it does. Yeah. It's on a leg real quick. It's, it's, I was like, man, but you think about it, it's like, that would suck. If like, you know, that you actually, you're doing some cheese and you just go ahead and scrape your hand or your something. flesh. Yeah. Like, oh, that would be rough. I think it depends on how deep you go with it. Yeah. How, yeah. Dude, but I've it was, cut, it I've was. cut one of my tendons on my pinky finger. I'm cutting some stuff. Um, Thanks. Doesn't take much. It's right there. Um, and, and then like a eyeball or something like that. Um, chainsaw, eyeball, something else. But watching that trailer, I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot this is part of that universe." Yeah, and when you the, when you when you watch, you see some of the tropes and callbacks. Chainsaw, I mean, exactly <laughs> callbacks to the original Evil Dead. Even on the scene where one guy's blood on her face, mm-hmm. very much so reminiscent of of Ash, kind of having that look going, and even the look of that character. She's got dark hair, yeah. and kind of big eyes, kind of like Bruce Campbell. So yeah, there's some nice little callbacks, but it's I thought it was fairly well done the way it all comes together. And uh, yeah, Evil Dead Rise. You probably need to watch that new Exorcist to get your fix of actually being scared. <laughs> <laughs> I won't buy that for a dollar. <laughs> what else you been watching? Um, what else? Oh, um, last thing, um, Kevin Hart. Since that played last night, I actually watched his first episode of Heart on Heart, and he was interviewing Jay Leno. What a terrible interview. <laughs> oh, I was just saying oh, how I enjoyed it. I mean, he's got good guests, but that one, it just felt like Jalen didn't want to be there. It was just like, oh, I mean, I probably should have scrapped that episode. Mm. It is, yeah, first 15, 20 minutes, it seemed like he just didn't really, just like, man, you know. He didn't want to, maybe because he's talked so much about the late night show that he probably want to talk about something else. So, like, when you see him talk about cars and things like that, he's really into that. But yeah, talking no, about, like, all the old Hollywood stuff, it seems like he's not really... Like he's like there. Over it. It's like yeah, he's not there. Mm. Like that energy that we've seen him have is just like, mm. and, you know, Kevin Hart's trying. Maybe you know, this is his first episode, so it's like you know, he's trying to learn to be not be the entertainment and actually 
They just like his second season of that show. He's he's interviewed a number of people on, on Hard to Yeah, Heart. this is the first episode. Oh, the very first. Yeah, Jay oh. Leno. Yeah. He got better then over time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because some... I noticed that with some entertainers. Like, when Kelly Clarkson started her show, mm-hmm. I noticed that she would often, like, cut cut her guests off as she was kind of getting used to interviewing people and kind of, okay, let's, like, pull back some. It's okay to pull back. One of the best people at doing this, of course, is Oprah. But uh, Joe Rogan has been... He's, like, like, one of the best at interviewing people and really being into what they do and pulling out stuff they normally wouldn't say. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's figured it out. Nice, nice. Uh, that's it for me, though. Last thing, I, I, I went back and rewatched based on some just some recent things. I went, I went back and I rewatched Spider Man: No Way Home. That's the one when they go to Italy, right? No, that's Far From Home. Oh, both of them have home in it. That's true. All of them have home in it. How about that? Homecoming. Oh, Far From Home. No way home. Is Homecoming two words or one? It's one word, I believe, in the actual. Well, then it's title. not home. No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> On my way home, back at home again. Okay, which one? Which one was this one though? This was the one that had all three Spider Men in it. That had all that. That was legit. Oh, That's a legit one. So freaking good. So freaking good. I, I'll never forget where I was when I watched that in Houston with my family, my niece sitting next to me. And when Andrew, when that, when Ned opens that portal and we see a Spider-Man in an alley kind of far off, they're like, Peter, Peter. And he kind of stops. And yeah, I just knew by the shape of his body. I'm like, yo, that's Andrew freaking Garfield. Cause, he, Cause he's, a, he's the lankiest one. He's the tallest one. Yeah. I, I was like, yo, that's freaking, I knew it. Like I was like, you know, Elba Manis, and then when he came through, we were like, yeah, just wigging <laughs> out, man, hot dog, man. That, that one. That one is is really really good. It's got you know the emotional beats, uh, but yeah, I've talked about it before. But it, yeah, it was totally worth revisiting. I'm glad I did all the performances. Um, you know, Jamie Fox. Because I had recently rewatched Amazing Spider-Man That's too, right. mm-hmm. and so to see Jamie Fox come back and again, <laughs> just how he's this one. His one-liners in, in in No Way Home are are uh, are pretty funny. Just I don't know. I I, I enjoy it. And then Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. He's he's great in Spider-Man too, and he's still good in this one. And then of course the 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 incomparable Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Just yeah, he's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> His back and forth between the confused Norman Osborn. Yeah. What did I do? <laughs> to when he's straight on Goblin. Yeah, it's all your thoughts, Spider Man. He's just—he's <laughs> yeah. so his his face is so like just malleable. Yeah, well, he could just when he—he's good. Anyway, <laughs> totally enjoyed it. Worth revisiting. But the fact that all of them—well, no, that one's the only one that's not on Disney Plus. Hmm. Yeah, that's the only one not on Disney Plus now because all the other Spider Mans, the all the uh, Toby. Mc- Guire Spider-Man and all the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man and all but you know that may not be right I think I don't think any of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies are on Disney Plus yet yeah that's interesting but they've got a, but I know they, they, they've got a deal with Sony and I think those those films just may be on other platforms but I think eventually they're all going to be on Disney Plus hmm. that just makes sense for Sony because aside from Crackle they don't really have their own streaming platform so yeah, they've been dealing license. with Disney but yeah, I think eventually that's going to happen. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that deal is, that's part of the deal. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. 
And today's show is sponsored by Natural Hair the Movie by Grind of the Matter Films, available to stream for free on Tubi on demand, Roku on demand, as well as YouTube. Please check it out and leave a review. Now let's jump back into the show. Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Creep Show 1982, directed by George Romero, written by Stephen King. Now let's jump into a quick synopsis. Six grisly tales about a murdered father rising from his grave, a bizarre meteor, a vengeful husband, a mysterious crate's occupant, a plague of cockroaches, and a disgruntled boy. Creep Show. That was quick. <laughs> and if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. You've been forewarned. Can you introduce our cast? Yes, the excellent cast of Creep Show consists of one Hal Hallbrook, one late great Adrian Barbeau, uh, the well played Fritz Weaver, as well as the um, known for the naked gun. Leslie Nielsen in a dastardly role. Uh, we also have uh, the roach stomping E.G. Marshall. Yes, gross. <laughs> as well as the great Ed Harris in a very early role. Mm-hmm. And also right. the, the incomparable <laughs> Ted Danson. Mm-hmm. And even the, uh, the, the writer extraordinaire one Stephen King himself. True. And also, I just want to take a moment to mention and recognize the director, one George A. Romero. For those of you who may not be familiar with George A. Romero, this is the man who invented the genre, the zombie genre. Yeah. This is the man behind Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. as well as then Dawn of the Dead, and then Day of the Dead, <laughs> as well as Land of the Dead, and Dear God. Diary of the Dead. I didn't know there were so many of these zombie films. He's found himself a niche. Yes, sir. But yeah, he kicked off the whole zombie genre and also had a black protagonist in a lead role in the 60s. Let's do it. Shout yeah. out. He seems to be, for someone that does a lot of stuff about dead things, he seems uh, lively. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, ha! Yeah, I just want to give him a shout out. Absolutely. Um, how did you watch this film? Did you ever watch this before? And then how did you watch it this time? Yes, the creep show. I don't think we had it on VHS, but when I first watched it, I was a, I was a kid when I first watched it. But I was in I was into horror as a kid. But when I first watched this, it was kind of the first anthology show I had seen, mm-hmm. and a movie anthology movie I had seen, and it just it just stuck with me. I mean, uh, and especially having the the stylization of the comic book worked yeah, in, yeah, uh, that was yeah, interesting. yeah, I it always stuck with me over the years, and I hadn't watched it in a very very long time. Yeah, but. uh but man, I, I mean, I, I remembered the bulk of the episodes. I remember the one with the with the, the the Father's Day, and I remembered the the one with the crate. I rem- I remembered the uh, obviously I, I remember the the you know Stephen King's one with the the farmer, you know, I, yeah, um, and of course the one with the roaches. That 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 one yeah, always, gross. yeah. I'm very, very interested to hear your take on that. But I always cool. uh, that one always just stood out to me, just so, especially at the very end when they just burst. I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> disgusting." But yeah, man, it was it was actually I was I was quite surprised at how much I, I still enjoyed it 
uh, mm-hmm. this go round. And then again, the transfer. I don't know what version you had. Mm-hmm. I had a 4K version. The transfer is pretty darn good. I watched this. Um, never. Well, I've never seen this. This uh-huh. is my first time watching it. Never seen it. Uh, I think I might have seen like some key art or something like that. Maybe seen some stuff. But at the point that Creepshow was around somewhere in my brain, I had already seen Tales from the Crypt and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. a very darker version and more like kind of straight, you know, straight to the point with the um, with the Tales from the Crypt stuff. So that's just like straight on horror, whereas this is kind of more campy. You know, it's got some comedy in it. Tales from the Crypt is not funny, you know? <laughs> yeah, it Tales from the Crypt is definitely more, more grounded. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I would compare... Maybe my brain was comparing the two. You know, like, oh, I've seen this. Maybe this was an early version of. Like, I didn't look into it. Sure, but my brain might have been like, maybe this is just an early version of the Tales from the Crypt thing. You know ah, what I mean? Like both, but both are based on comic books that initially existed. Yeah. But Creepshow came first and kind of set the it set the palette for mm-hmm. those other ones to 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 launch off Tales from the Dark Side that that movie, and then initially, eventually, Tales from the Crypt as well. Uh-huh. But Creepshow. Wasn't a is it a comic book? It is. Oh, I didn't know. It's, it. by, it's by again. I wrote when I read that quote by Roger Ebert. So uh-huh. it was actually by a, a a publisher called EC Comics, which EC stands for Educational Comics. Uh-huh. But that was like the actual original. Right. They were the publishers of the Creepshow comic book. So interesting. I maybe I took something different from it. I thought that that they had those kind of horror. EC had those horror comic books in the forties and fifties. But Creepshow was original by Stephen King. No, my because it's the only it's the only movie. It's not the only movie. It, uh, the movie's not actually based on the comic book. It was all create. It was two short stories by Stephen King and then three originals. Uh, okay, here we go. So the, the Creepshow comic book series is based on 1982 horror anthology film directed by George Romero. The film is based on EC Comics, like based on EC Comics, like Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror. The graphic novel adaptation of Stephen King's Creepshow features illustrations by yada, 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 yada. Okay. Tales from the kick people. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, so, they, so, they, so they were borrowing from those, those books and they made an original comic f- format for this, for this movie. Right. It's all but, original. Yeah. But they were taking from the, uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So those, those books influenced the making of this. It's interesting. that They came up with their own kind of original title. Yeah, and of course now it's actually a ongoing show on Shutter. It's a franchise now. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, man. So, yeah. So that's what my brain was thinking. Like, that's I've already seen it. You know, like because you got the, the little skeleton guy, ghoul or whatever mm-hmm. uh, around. And so, anyhow, so I never did watch it. This was my first time watching it, and I watched it on AMC uh, Plus. Okay. So I went to Amazon. No, not Amazon. Apple then on their platform you know how they got channels and then I just did a trial for Amazon for AMC plus and then watched it that way and it looked pretty good look pretty okay. good yeah cool good little transfer and yeah uh what did you like or not like about the film uh man I like Leslie Nielsen's performance again yeah. as a guy that we're, we're used to seeing seeing in comedic roles yeah. I mean when I see Leslie Nielsen instantly I think the naked gun absolutely and to see him, man, like flex his villain chops. Yeah. He's a dastardly bastard in this one. <laughs> it's like, wow. But I remember that, that technically was the first time I saw Leslie Nielsen was in this in this show. But mm-hmm. I, I had forgotten and didn't realize it until years later. Same thing with Ted Danson. Yeah. 
But he actually, and that's trivia. I'll share it later. But yeah. So I, I enjoyed Leslie Nielsen's performance. Um, I, I like the blend of horror and comedy. It even says on the key art of the poster, like the, the most fun you'll have being scared. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of like the, the tone that they go for where it's got a little bit of the, again, it's, it's capturing those vibes of, of a comic and kind of playing that up. Even how they, how they use the, the, the lighting, use the red lighting, like a, mm-hmm. a whole lot, like throughout. Um, but I kind of, I know, I kind of appreciate it. Maybe it's just like nostalgia, but I kind of appreciate that them striking that that vibe mm-hmm. uh, throughout. And I don't think any black people die in this one. That's always good. So that's a yeah. It's like okay, thank you, George. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, it felt like it was like made for TV because like it would like fade to black on certain parts. I'm just mm-hmm. like, what's going on? Like it's like a piece missing or something like that. I'm like, what's going on? Okay, we'll ride with it. Um, Outside of that, um, so like with comedy and horror, I prefer, me personally, I prefer like the horror and then maybe there's some funny things there in it. Um, There's very few, I feel like there's very few people that can really pull off. Now, if I would have watched this back in the day before Tales from the Crypt and all the other stuff, I probably would have dug it a little bit, especially like the gross out part with the roaches and all this other stuff. Um, But then out, you know, when I started liking horror, it's like I like this straight to the like. This is a religion. I want to be scared. Like I don't want to be ah. laughing. I think there's very few people that can kind of pull off like uh, entertainment where there's horror and you can laugh at the same time. You know, yeah, where the laughter is there to kind of break up the tension for a moment. Yeah, and then you can still go back to oh crap. Yeah, because this feels like comedy, but they're in, like scary situations. Mm. Um, I think uh, what's that one? The Reanimator might have been one that. I, Recently, that that I, that we watched a year or two years ago, yeah, uh, that one was one. I was like, "Dang, they did it!" You know, it was like this is solid. You know, there's some funny things going on here, but it, it's it's grounded enough where like I did not expect this to be good. Yeah, they were diving into the um, uh, what's that? What's the writer? Uh, the Lovecraft. Oh, oh yeah, Love, like, Love, yeah, Lovecraftian. Absolutely vibes. Um, but outside of that, man, uh, um, I was able to accept it for what it was. I can I, I dig what they're trying to do. Um, how how was the commentary on this? Because I ended up watching a whole other documentary about the movie and just didn't have the time to digest any commentaries. So there, this so this is the the version that I, I picked up was the the 4K version. It's also the collector's edition. It's got a 4K disc and a Blu-ray disc, and it is loaded with special features. So. I, I listened to two audio commentaries. Oh, one, dang. Yes, sir. <laughs> one was the audio commentary with the late, great George Romero and special uh, makeup artist uh, Tom Savani. And that was it was moderated by Michael Felsher. Yeah. And then I also listened to an audio commentary that is on the Blu-ray that has... Da-da-da-da. Is it that? So it's an audio commentary that that has the guy who did the documentary that you, that you saw, yeah. um, just dudes or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't ju- remember you're getting name. your just getting uh-huh. your just desserts or something like that. The director of that commentary, he then interviewed several members of the team that were still alive. Um, oh, okay, and so yeah, so that that was a, a pretty solid one as well because he, he interviews the the cinematographer, um, Michael Gornick. 
and uh, or the, yeah, the director of photography, Michael Gormick, and and two other several other people. So that was that was a pretty solid one as well. And there are there's a, there's several other commentaries on here, but um, I thought the commentaries were pretty pretty insightful. The, the first one with with George Romero mm-hmm. um, is like they're kind of catching up and, and, and talking and so they're not necessarily following like each scene the movie, but, they, but, yeah. but they're just talking about just the production overall of the film and different things like that so excuse me it was, it was pretty good um, uh, and the special feature I watched of course was a documentary it's called Make, uh, Just Desserts Making of Creep Show and it's on Screenbox which is like a platform and Screenbox also has a channel on YouTube so you can actually subscribe to it on YouTube um, I just did again another trial. I mean, there's too many subscriptions out here, so I did another trial to get access to it. Um, turns out to be pretty good, man. And you can watch it in two times, so it was like, it's an hour and a half, and I knocked it out in about 50 minutes. Ha! So, nice. but anyhow, it, it was good, man. It, it was overall good. Um, definitely recommend it, especially if somebody's a fan of Creep Show. Definitely need to check out yeah, that documentary because it's very insightful. Um, what do you think about like the overall tone of the film? Uh, tonally, again, it's it's horror with with a, a slight tinge of, of of comedy, like a little at times a little tongue in cheek. It's yeah. not so much like just like laugh out loud comedy, but there's like just certain certain moments, certain certain winks. Absolutely, um, I would just put you know the tones kind of campy, especially with certain characters it can be silly. Um, I.e. Um, Stephen King's character, I'm um, just a cartoon. Like literally, his character is a cartoon. Uh, and um, then you had those stories. So like you had it chopped up into different stories. I didn't really know what to expect from this creep show. Uh huh. Um, so I found that interesting that it was you know five different stories. This is like this is like the first one to do that. Like one of the yeah. This kind of mm-hmm. was the kind of the intent like the start of mm-hmm. an anthology series film. So. Yeah, kind of broke ground that way. That that is pretty cool, because you got father. It was Father's Day. Is that the name of it? Mm-hmm. It was Father's Day. What was the one with uh with with Stephen King in it? What was the name of that one? With the the, that's the that? the lonely death of Jordy Jordy something. I forget his guy's last, his last name, but right. it was the lonely death of Jordy some somebody. And then you have the other one, something to tide you over. Yeah. Then you have the crate, which got a little monster in the crate, and then. They're creeping up on you, right? Is that yeah. the name of that one? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, these, these are memorable for sure. Um, yeah, so I just think the tone, this has got the, the kind of like the silliness and it's campy, but at the same time, it's gross. It creeps you out. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything to add on that one? Uh, no, I think my more I'm thinking of will come up in, in themes. Music was done by John Harrison. He composed and performed the music. When I li- when I listen to like the the main theme, mm-hmm. uh, especially like in the in the 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 main menu of the uh, Blu-ray and 4K, mm-hmm. it it very much so reminded me of like a John Carpenter like Halloween theme, uh, like just like the, the 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 piano and the notes that are here, like ding, 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 ding. it's like maybe they use the same synthesizer. Yeah, or something. I'm like <laughs> this this sounds very Carpenter esque, but ho- but Halloween was kind of you know ushered in that kind of new wave of of horror and the kind of the slasher genre. Indeed, um, and style. What do you think about like the style? What were they going for there, and how they differentiate? Uh, definitely, they were looking to, to literally bring a comic book to to life mm-hmm. from the the use of the the freeze frame as you would dissolve into an actual scene mm-hmm. to the at times actual use of, of 
like panel work yeah. and even how the camera is is uh, slightly sometimes tilted off like to kind of capture different angles that artists might use when they're drawing uh, comics and, and characters uh, to the 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 squibs not squibs uh, I forget what the, the name of it, but they were using special like lighting techniques behind the actors when certain reactions would happen to certain things that something would light up behind them and be a certain effect behind them but all oh. that being done practically yes I like it. Um, you had the what's the name of the little tilted the pan the tilted camera pan the Dutch angle Dutch angle yes yeah you remembered uh, so saw that a few times a little mm-hmm. crooked Dutch angle then you had like the red color it was, it was when it was dangerous or something going on like the red was really red yeah it wasn't subtle at all it was just like okay we're just gonna like this differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, the panels, uh, the transition of the panels actually helped me remember that, oh, this is kind of like a comic book, but it's, you know, that's before I knew I thought Creepshow was a comic book. Um, so did I. <laughs> cause I, you know, I didn't read any of it, so I don't know. Right. So I just thought, I just assumed it was. And, but it's like the reverse It's like the movie is creating the comic book. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. <laughs> Until just now. Because when I saw that it had the EC, I was like, okay, it's like a real publisher. But right. I'm like, no, I should. I don't know. I was like, anyway, it threw me, threw me off for a moment. It's all good. But uh, them having the panels reminded me that this is a comic book, a live action comic book, basically. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then when you have the little panels at the top telling us what's going on. And the way that, that between each between each story, we literally come back, we come mm-hmm. back to the comic book and we see the comic book being blown and moved along. Yeah. And it turns literally to the next page. It even has like the, the classic advertisements you would see inside a comic That's book, right. like the, the, you know, the, the get the stuff to, to get buff and built. It's got, it's got it hitting all those, those notes. Absolutely. Um, what kind of themes do you have? So for the creep show, I have, uh, it's, it's very interesting. There are themes of, I, I saw constantly, and then and, and the, these were kind of confirmed in one of the commentaries. Themes of greed, yeah, absolutely. Uh, hatred, dang. Revenge. To add to that, I put revenge beyond the grave. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> yeah, that's very accurate. And and even like like basic fears when you see kind of how some mm. of these people die kind of you kind of deal with basically like okay a fear of of like either being buried alive or drowning or a fear of you know like bugs all over you yeah that's the worst yeah i mean even if you're not even if you're not afraid of bugs nobody wants a bunch of damn bugs roaches in particular roaches (laughs) like creeping all up on like if i get a few ants on me i'm like all right like i'm not even gonna like Like, freak out like miles in the first movie's like you know, you yeah. see, pop, knock them off. Like, I won't even kill it. Like, you can just brush them off. Yeah. If it was a roach, ha, ha, ha. Different kind. It hits different. His <laughs> different one is a roach. Like, <laughs> Don't know why. It yeah. just is. They're associated with gross stuff, and there's a reason. Yeah, I would, but they're but they're big. I mean, I'm not, I'm not forget. I, I got into a fight with, with a, a roach. Flying roach in a hotel in Houston. Yeah. It was big, and when it flew... You could hear it, yo. I was like, "What the heck is that?" Oh, dang. oh man, we were, yo, we sat squared up, like swinging, knocked him down, got him, put him, I put him in the toilet, flushed him down the drain, and he got back out. And this thing, before I could hit flush, this sucker had swam back to the thing. I was like, "You bastard, not today, Smith. no sir." We had to, we had, had to get crunchy on him. Yeah. Ugh, gross. Yeah, that was, yeah. No, no, no. Roaches. 
But uh, but yeah, so this is kind of like dealing with like kind of some basic human fears. Yeah. Um, you know what 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 lies underneath the steps? Because yeah. that's what that crate was hidden underneath yeah. the steps. Yeah. What's in the box? <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> but yeah, we're dealing with some some kind of basic fears at the, at the root of it all. <laughs> Just go back to the what's in the box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, do you have any more themes? Uh, no. How about you? No. Um, I like from a director point of view. I got a couple things here. Um, George Romero. He said he could relax a little bit on this one because he didn't write the screenplay. So like, since Stephen King actually wrote the screenplay, usually he's the stories and and then everybody else kind of writes based on his his work but he actually wrote the screenplay and uh it gave george romero he just like because sometimes he said he'll like um second guess his work when he's the writer mm. but this allowed he's like you know i respected stephen king's writing and all that stuff so i was able to relax and just direct um and then also another thing was talking about stephen king acting like a cartoon that was like specific George Romero direction for yeah. him to act as like the road runner or something. And he kind of didn't want to initially King to kind of want to do that. And I heard one of the commentaries that he was kind of, he was a little kind of a little pissed that he had to kind of go over that over the top. Yeah. But it, 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 it kind of works for that story. Right. That he's really kind of ignorant. Otherwise, why the heck wouldn't you go to the doctor? Once you see you have growth, Coming out of your fingers and now it's on your tongue. Yeah, that was gross. But his his this dude's imagination, like he's just unlearned. Uh, it's a little different. It reminds me of Men in Black. Do you remember Men in Black when the the ship hit in front of the ranch and they got the guy with the hillbilly guy and mm-hmm. then the roach like kind of takes him takes over. over and he's all yeah. kind of like all gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was disgusting, man. Because he opened his mouth and roaches was coming out. No. Anyhow. Business stuff. So I got another part called business stuff. All right. All right. So EC Comics founded in 1944, defunct in 1956. So uh, apparently the violence in the comics caused the comic code to shut it down. Uh, it was later absorbed by national periodical publications, later known as DC. DC. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I was like, oh, okay. That So like there was a period in in comics where, yeah, there were a lot of violent comics horror comics right. and this one this one doctor wrote a book called seduction of the innocent oh and pretty much any kind of comic book documentary you watch whether it's you know the one on stan lee that's on disney plus they're going to mention this this book being written and these these literally like the comic companies being put on 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 trial and and being like said, you know, we're, we're holding you responsible because the stuff that kids are seeing in these comic books is, 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 is destroying the youth of America. Dang. And so that's the comic books said, okay, we're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to police ourselves. And that's when they came up with the comic book code authority. And that's, they started laying down these guys. Okay. You can't have, you know, certain kind of relationships being shown. You can't have the mention or use of drugs. You can't have, you can't have monsters. And so, what? Yeah, like like monsters were out, and up up until about, so this is like you know in the forties and fifties. This this also conversely kind of helped superheroes begin to come back because they had to kind of make make some choices. You got more superheroes coming back in the mix in the Dang. late fifties. So into politics the 60s. created the superhero. You could argue. Well, Superman was already around, but then they kind of fell mm-hmm. off after the after World War Two got done. Yeah, I like guess when Captain America kind of he had gone away, but this thing kind of pushed them to kind of. 
turned the ship. Then in the 60s, there was a story where Harry Osborne, right, son of Norman Osborne, the, the Green Goblin, there's a story that they wrote where he is on drugs. And they wrote that story, but they didn't put the Comic Code Authority on their, on that issue. And when they did that, that began a, that show Marvel said, okay, we're willing to take some risks to tell a story that we think is important for society and, and hit to let our, our readers know about this. And that began to kind of relax some things. With, with the Comic Code Authority, the, the publishers began to relax. And that's when in the 70s, you started seeing Monster Comics again. Tomb of Dracula, which is where we get mm-hmm. Blade from. Because Monster Comics come back. Yeah, we characters like Moon Knight, who's, who appears in Werewolf by Night, where he first appears. So yeah, those monsters start coming back in in the 70s, and then now the Comic Code Authority, like nobody really even follows it anymore. <laughs> Have you seen these comics? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting. It's like the basically what, kind of like precursor to the music, the explicit li- lyric label kind of thing. Well, you know, every medium kind of goes through this period where they get regular, mm-hmm. like like with movies, right? You know, we've got the, the MPA. Hitchcock, yeah. yeah, you know, we've got the Motion Picture Association that rates, rates the films. There was a period in Hollywood where they mm-hmm. got crazy strict. I think now we're at a point that we're so demoralized and uh, that <laughs> we don't even need them anymore. It's just like, that's yeah, just it's just available on YouTube. Like, you can just watch Butt Naked whatever on HBO. You know or, what I'm saying? Like, you don't need anything. Or, man, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> even sometimes with, like, the uh, the social media platforms, like, if you yeah. you can take a wrong turn very quick. It's like, it's not... What neighborhood is this? Yeah, it's it's not quite... I don't know. I'm like that. It makes me concerned for the youngins sometimes. Like, yeah. if they type in whatever, like, uh, whatever. Oh, yeah, like, they're lost. Like, yo. Anyway, but... Facts. Parents, know what your kids are watching. Shoot. It's a, yeah, it's a full-time job, and we have our kids in the house. You know mm. what I'm saying? Uh, those other two nine hours of kids, ain't no telling what's going on. Mm. Um, but back to business stuff. Ah. Uh, the producer of this film, once the producer had the screenplay in hand, King had he, he asked how long it would take for Stephen King. They had all went to this retreat, you know, to kind of talk about the stuff, and he said, "How long will it take?" He said, 60 days." So apparently, Stephen King has like a like a routine that he does every day, and so he was able to calculate, "I'll get it to you in 60 days." And sure enough, 60 days he had the the screenplay. Nice. And then once the producer had that, he went to a small distribution company, which is a subsidiary of United States Artists, uh, United Artists Theaters. Uh, that distribution company is called UFDC. Um, and the initial plan was if a major didn't pick up the film, then they would go through UFDC, in which they had a three-picture deal with. And they said yes immediately to Creepshow. Ha-ha. <laughs> Um, one of the last things for business, I had to write this down because I was like, this is actually pretty good. Uh, the movie, when, once the movie was done, locked and ready to rock and roll, they went, they took it to Cannes Film Festival, which we also know, um, from, from our, uh, endeavors in films is that it's also a film market, kind of like American film market, but Cannes. Um, so they scheduled a screening at midnight in the smallest theater of like 220 seats. Uh, Irvin Shapiro was a sales agent. Um, and at the same time, the producer took a two-page article ad in the New York Times. It was about $30,000, announcing that Creepshow was hitting theaters in October. Uh, they then ship over to Cannes, the art, uh, I think it's art, I, I misspelled it, but art section of the Times. And they got a copy and put it under like every executive door that they can find there. Um, and then someone named Terry Samuel, Samuel, hopefully I'm saying his name right. He was executive Warner Brothers. He couldn't get into the screening because he had got, he saw that they, the marketing and all this stuff. He's like, okay, I want to go. So that raises interest. And then they scheduled um, 
a screening for him to watch it and they made a deal for domestic distribution which makes me believe when you, when we bet when we talked about the box office and budget and all that stuff I was like okay he said specifically this is for domestic you know distribution so with that said it makes me wonder how much how many how much deals were done yeah. on the international side cuz again when i go through the special features on here they've got a uh, they've got one for behind the scenes footage but they got one that's specifically for key art posters yeah. and there was there was multiple posters for it it playing in japan kind of mixed sometimes with it seemed like almost like a double or triple feature mm-hmm. uh, and in other countries as well so this thing got some international play I don't know how much. Well, let's see if this is a breakdown. And it was a heyday of, you know, at the at the markets, you know, um, Fred. What is it? What's the hammer? Fred. I forget his name. Black Sabotation film. Um, But he talks about um, how you can just kind of break up. And that was a heyday of cans where you just you literally have wads of cash in your pocket because you just sold, you know, rights to India for fifty thousand dollars. And they cut the check there and and you just hand it off. Hmm. IMDB does show like some box office for Spain. Oh. Well, not even box office. It just mentions like the number of like theater admissions. But I don't think it's like, it's not giving me real gross. Hey, yeah. And that, that's all I have for the for the business dealings. All right. Do you have any favorite scenes or memorable scenes? Well, yes, I do. Yeah. So under favorite and memorable scenes. Oh, the first one I have is just the the moving tomb of death. So this is when uh, Ed Helms' character goes to look for his aunt. Yeah, and he goes out into the the backyard or the, into the funeral grounds, and he's looking for her. And he strikes up a match, lights his cigarette, and he's walking around and finds the bottle of Jim Bean on the ground, picks it up, smells it, and disgustingly drinks off of it. Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing, man? You don't know whose lips are on it. Any, anyway, whatever. I call maybe disinfects it. Whatever. <laughs> Takes a sip and then takes a trip backwards. Yeah, yeah. And falls on his backside right into the 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 right right in front of the grave, right in front of the tombstone. And as he's laying there, he he tries to get up, and as soon as he makes a move to get up, the tombstone moves. Yeah, and he kind of pauses. He looks up, realizing that okay, what something weird is going on here. And then he slowly begins to move again and reaches to his left and all of a sudden the body of his dead aunt falls on top of him yeah and he's kind of freaking out and all of a sudden the tombstone moves again and as we look up well we got the angle of him looking up and we see the the edge of that tombstone creeping out more and more over his head yeah and the tombstone is not a light thing it's not a not a some tablet no this is a, a tablet this, this is a heavy piece of concrete Made for skull crushing, apparently. Uh, while we were watching, me and my wife watching, it's like, why does he move real quick? Just you could just hit that roll. You know what I mean? Like he's not injured. But like, like the faster he moves, this thing is like tracking him. It's like <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. I was like, so the stiller he is. Like I like no, nah, bro. Just hit the roll real quick. It's like you're. It, it would seem that way, but now he's got this dead. body he's got this corpse kind of on him. It's I don't like, know. Maybe he was just in shock. I mean, <laughs> he just found his dead aunt. Yeah, he's sipping off a bottle. Yeah. Of, <laughs> he's not in a good situation. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's in his right mind just yet. He's like, he's trying to process all this. Like, wait a minute, I just came to find my aunt, and I did. Yeah, she did. Yeah, and this is tombstone tracking over my head. Yeah, hit that roll. He just had to roll twice. Boop, boop. But, out, he, but he's out. also but he's kind of in though, so Safe. that roll has to be yeah, up, a little up. extra. He's got to roll up. 
<laughs> Come up. <laughs> Rise up. Rise up. Brother. <laughs> but he he did not. He uh <laughs> he stood still. <laughs> yeah. That's uh on solid ground. Yeah. yeah. He, so, so yeah, he, he caught one to the head. Yeah, man. And uh, Oboe was gone. Yeah. Um, one of my memorable scenes was the bite into the neck. I just like the cool effect of that. Oh, man. That little monster, the crate monster, yeah. just biting and just swiping away. I was like, that's disgusting. That, it's almost like they made that. I mean, out of whatever they made out of, the bite marks go in and it's just, yeah. it just goes in. It's Savini is the man. Very gruesome. I'm like, yo, I, I'd forgotten about that. I was like, dang, that one, that's a very effective practical effect. And it feels real, too. I remember watching this YouTube video of a man who got pimp slapped by a bear. Like, a bear swiped him in the face, and his part of his face is just hanging. It's, literally, his face is just hanging there. His skin is, it was a wrap. <laughs> we got pimp made, slapped by a bear. It makes you think of um, The Revenant when uh, DiCaprio gets. I didn't watch it, but uh, I heard about it. Oh. <laughs> You should YouTube that scene. <laughs> that bear scene is brutal. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh, Fluffy, Fluffy got got yeah. on this dude. Uh, we have done all, all of our people in this nation a great disservice by making bears fluffy. It's not yoga. They are not. They eat their own kids. People. Just saying. It's not smarter than the average bear. More vicious than the average bear. You better get on. Leave that picnic basket. Where's me, honey? I'm get going honey. Get out of the Yellowstone, buddy. Pool? No. Oh, bother. <laughs> Oh man, it's a, <laughs> it's a, yeah, but uh, but yeah, man, that that was that's most definitely memorable. Uh, so I've got just I remember watching as a kid when I when I saw Jordy, he's the guy, he's the farmer played by Stephen King. Yeah, just at the end, it goes from real silly and goofy to at the end, like it's it's serious. Like this dude is covered in this moss stuff that has to be clearly it's growing inside of him too because it was on his tongue. And it's not going to stop growing. And it's growing all around his place. And he's just, I mean, I don't know how he feels. Yeah. Because it's it's everywhere. Oh, no, down there. Not down there. Not down there. Like like all his orifices are overgrown with this stuff. He probably can't. I mean, it's probably in his lungs. Yeah, it's pretty miserable. It's probably hurting to breathe. Like this guy has got to be freaking. It's got to be. It do his eyes or whatever. So, and he's like literally at the end, he is praying for release. Oh God, oh, let me do God. something right. Yeah, and just he pulls that trigger and bam, blows out whatever his brain matter looks like now. <laughs> soil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that he was got fer- fertilizer. Yeah, it was grim. Yeah, it got it took it took that turn, but it, but that that initial kind of goofiness kind of like makes it like oh well that's went to suicide this, at the end. It's like this a, wasn't funny at all. We took a turn, <laughs> but 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 even but even the title says the the lonely death of uh, Jordy So and So did warm you up, did warn you. Yeah, I was, I was like oh okay, I Let's see look now. Into this. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch that before, but you told me we were going dark. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh yeah, that's rough. Yeah, so that 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 stood out to me. Um, that little kid at the beginning, you know, I mean, <laughs> the beginning opens up with a the father and his son, like kind of arguing about his comic books. Kids got the mark, like the hand, got the hand marks on his face from the daddy like, laying down the, the smackdown. Like, what is this crap? It's kind of weird because at the time that this is taking place is in the eighties, mm-hmm. but this serious, com- this serious conversation would have taken place in the forties or fifties if they would have catch their kid with the comic book. So it's kind of, 
weird. I was like, damn, why is he so upset about this comic book? <laughs> but, uh, but, but again, I mentioned the 70s, the monsters already came back. So this yeah. kind of stuff, these kind of comics were back, kind of back in circulation right. by this point. So yeah, so was, I don't know. I'm just saying like the reaction from the father seems a little <laughs> a little much. Seems a little extreme. Yeah. Now, if it was the 40s, 50s, then yes. You know, I, I, I could see that because that's the only medium they had that had this kind of stuff in it. True. I would almost dare to say that his dad's very religious because he makes the statement. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, maybe. Yeah, because these guys popping his he beer. Drinking, whatever. He pimp slapping. I'm not his saying kid. he's not. No, I'm not saying he's not hypocritical. Oh, okay. But he's he's clearly very strict. Yeah, definitely he, strict. Because even he's the wife was like, strict. he was kind of hard on him. He was like, well, I handled it. But but then he <laughs> says, the that's, that's why that's why God made fathers. Like this guy is. He's, <laughs> let's say let's say he's very self righteous. I'll, I'll put it that way. He's very yeah. self righteous. I'm like, yeah. He, he, Kind of, kind of hard on the kid. Now the kid's apparently demon possessed. He's like, I'll teach you to take away my comics. Like, oh, dang, this, this bro, is you serious about these comic books. I'm like, oh, dad may have been right. <laughs> like, you, 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 you took a turn He's talking to demons and stuff. And you like, didn't, you didn't, like, you, you, you got, you got this creep, literally the creep outside your window, yeah. and you're smiling like that's my dude, that's like, my guy. Uh, <laughs> what? And this this kid has already ordered a voodoo doll. I hate to say it, but I think the dad was right. <laughs> I think the dad was right. This kid's been turned. <laughs> dad, you actually late. <laughs> You're late, son. You're late, father. Uh, it was funny because he was like, "What are you doing with this crap? You these comic books? Well, it's no worse than what's in your in your drawer." Oh, oh we'll talk about his porno mags. It out. <laughs> then he got smacked. <laughs> so you're a you're, what do you call him? You're a you're, you're a snoop too. Yeah, you're a snitch. you're a snitch also. He's yeah. like, it's not that you had me look for something. I like, dude had his comebacks ready for real. <laughs> Ca caught one of the cheek. He called him a snoop, but he's like, no, you had me look for something. Oh man, he was trying to plead his case. Got pimp slapped. <laughs> I'll teach you to take away my comics. Whoa, Junior! <laughs> <laughs> the situation is escalated. I think you are hard on him. Well, that's what God made fathers for. <laughs> Give me another bear. She's like just doing housework. I was like, wow. You know, so it's, it's fascinating watching it through the second time. There's some, some things I didn't catch before. Like, I didn't catch that at the end when the garbage man when they find the comic and they're getting ready to throw it away and the page that they're on that little piece missing and it says voodoo doll oh yeah, yeah it yeah. says voodoo I didn't I, I didn't catch at the initial first watch but I caught it and I'm like oh oh and you see the little cutout that's yeah. missing there oh with the with the people they were picking up the trash when they mm -hmm. were looking through it yeah I didn't catch it the first time but also I didn't catch that on uh, when she's ironing his shirt at the end part of the shirt's missing because she stops and looks at the shirt and it's a yellow shirt mm -hmm. and there's a piece of it missing that's been cut out mm -hmm. and that's what the kid has wrapped around the doll from what I've seen with voodoo yeah. you have to usually have a personal item usually it's a piece of clothing uh, from somebody and you and so he has that wrapped around the voodoo doll before he yeah, sticks the needle in the neck and they're like ah, my neck my back and my neck <laughs> yeah I'm like oh man it's it uh, bad as hell <laughs> uh. Kid's possessed. That kid is like he didn't just get mad; he got even. Yeah, and beyond even. He, 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 he is crossed the line. He is torturing his dad. <laughs> he crossed the line. Man, like, and he planned this. Like, okay, if you weren't gonna do this to your dad, who were you gonna do this to? And when I have you plans too. <laughs> <laughs> I got dreams, Dad. 
Because he would have had to have gotten to his dad's shirt probably even before he got smacked up. Yeah. So he was he was planning on putting the hurt on his dad either way. And I think on the, somebody. Yeah. I think the comics was just the last draw because <laughs> this doll had already been ordered yeah. and he had it in hand already. Maybe this guy's just been an abusive father and it, it seems was time. it seems like it. Yeah. It's like man, like you kind of you're like man, this is dark, but you kind of like well, dad, you're kind of a jerk. I don't know if you deserve voodoo treatment, yeah. but yeah, man, man. Uh, one, another memorable scene, of course, is ro- the roaches. The roach scene. Mm. Speak on it. Speak on it. Disgusting. Um, so I don't know the whole premise. So apparently, this is a CEO who's taking over a company, and he's just in his room doing his business. He's and- a germ. He's a germaphobe. Like he's like in this sanitary, yeah, sweet high rise, like blocked off from everybody else. Yeah, and he's an absolute jerk. Like yeah. this guy is just yeah taking these calls. Buying out companies, expects people to just cater to his every whim. Do you know who I am? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he uses that line quite a bit. But anyhow, all that to say, he's steadily trying to, you know, randomly there'll be a roach that comes out and he sprays it. So he has a can ready for him, spraying him, stomping him or whatever. Then he's eating. Is this oatmeal or almonds? I don't know what the heck it is that he blends it up. Dude. And he goes, (laughs) and all of a sudden he... Digs so, around in it and something's a little too crunchy. It looked gross. Like so it was almonds. It, it was almonds and my some kind of brand. Yeah, some and kind of brand. So he put it in a um little a food, food processor. processor. I guess to make some version of oatmeal or whatever. To kind of make it easy on his teeth, I guess. But even when it's like moving around, it looks like it looks crunchy. It looks like some legs there in there. You know why it's moving around. Extra protein. And then so while he's talking about like, yeah, roaches get everywhere. Then you see like this chunk of like maybe a dead roach. And he's like, that's disgusting. Yeah. And, and then, he may, he probably already consumed one yeah, or he two. Ate one. And then he dips out the box. And then apparently a bunch of roaches coming in out of the cereal box. <sighs> So, it's it's bad. It's disgusting. It's the worst it, nightmare. It's really bad. And again, these things are just constantly around. And he's supposed to be in this this very expensive high rise place, and he's constantly spraying these things with this off brand spray. And he's got this little garbage disposal suction thing. He constantly throws them down. Yeah, but he can't stop these things. They are everywhere. This guy is probably a millionaire, but he can't stop the roaches. Yeah, and they're. You know, there's one that crawls up his leg. He doesn't even like realize it, like because yeah. it's like they're coming in and it just this thing just escalates. Dude. I'll never forget watching this as a kid. That's horrible. And it's just like I was like riveted, like what? And then you get to the very end where this guy goes, he goes into a specially sealed room. Yeah, and he's like, "You'll never get in here." Yeah, it's like a safe. What is it called? Like uh, a safe house. Yeah, safe. Uh, safe. What is it called? It's like a hermetically panic sealed room. room. Yeah, panic room. Exactly. He goes into his panic room. It's supposed to be his safe place. And he's got it sealed. And he turns and he looks at his bed and you see the sheets moving. No. Like waves. Like no. And sure enough, he goes and grabs the sheets, pulls them back. A bed of roaches. <laughs> like, yo, the bed is, the roaches are there like, uh, you want something? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just covered in roaches. And this guy flips. Yeah. And they keep coming. They keep them there. Now they're they're like swarming this guy. Dude. They're like attack, and he's like ah ah ah, and then he may, maybe he has a heart attack. But what something happens where he kind of freezes up and falls down, dude. And he's just laying there, and and on, on top of that, the power has gone out in the whole city, yeah, from a lightning storm or thunderstorm. And yeah, hours pass, and then the lights finally come back on, and we see his body laying there. Yeah, 
And we see they were covered at first. Yeah. Yeah. Covered. And then we see a little kind of flut flutter in his forehead, like something moving around, a little pulsating or something. And then all of a sudden we see the, the mouth open. Roaches, Roaches just out. pouring out of this guy's mouth. Damn, and then we see a throbbing of the upper chest and all of a sudden. Or more roaches, just yeah, one of the, one of the most gruesome scenes uh, I've ever seen in, in film, and it's it's still it's still the effect still holds up because these are real these are real deals real roaches, mm. unbelievable. So another unforgivable scene for me was a memorable scene was uh, in something to tide you over when Leslie Nielsen is he's he's escaping from the the water zombies, if you will, oh the waterlogged zombies of yeah. Ted Danson and his cheating wife. And they're coming at him, and they're, you know, and so he 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 runs away, and he, he gets behind the door in his bedroom, closes the door, bolts yeah. it, and he turns around, and they're there inside, and he, right. and he and he gives this yell. It's a nice little jump scare. Yeah, it's like oh, because these these things apparently also travel through mist because yeah. kind of they're a mist that kind of That's comes true. up to the door, and they mystify and come on the <laughs> other side. And it's like. Wow, so we get the nice little jump scare there. So I thought that was that was solid. Yeah, man. Um, he shoots him in the head. Pow, and then green juice comes out. Yeah, like they're that. they're very juicy. They're they're <laughs> they're saturated <laughs> with seawater. Sea uh. Um, you got any any other memorable scenes? No, I, I got I got like uh, I already mentioned the bugs out of the mouth. And the last one I'll mention is um, when Henry mm-hmm. gets his wife Billy. To, to come down to the uh, oh, yeah. to the school, and he's he's he already knows what's you know that there's something in this crate that's that's <laughs> murking folks. Thanks to his thanks thanks to his buddy, yeah. And he gets her to come down there, leaves her a note. Oh, what would I do without you? And yeah. plays into her ego. Dang. She gets down there and she's berating him per usual, and he's so ready to kill her. He's he's fantasized about killing her. He shot her in the forehead too, point blank. And people he like imagine it, and then people are clapping at things. They're like. Bravo. Like, he feels like he's going to be doing society a favor. Dang. Um, even thinks about like choking her out. Like he's again, this guy fantasized like multiple times a day about killing his wife. Dang. But how could he get away? It almost reminds me of Death Becomes Her a little bit. Like, hmm, if he could get away with the perfect crime, <laughs> would he? So he cleans up the previous mess of the, of the other two dead bodies and he lures her down there and he says there's a defenseless woman hiding underneath the stairs and she gets close and he just can't wait anymore he pushes her like, Get in <laughs> and she's up against the crate and she's then she just starts going in on him like just she's been tearing the guy down the whole time absolutely emasculating the guy and then mm-hmm. she even like just she just just goes all in like just man and and, and well people said that like the actress Adrian Barboa she was like the one of the sweetest people you you could know yeah. and so for her playing this role this way is like so not her in real life but he bangs her against the against the crate and finally when you think that okay man nothing's going to happen and then all of a sudden we see that hand come out and she turns and we get the 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 you know the 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 red flash of, of yeah, danger absolutely yeah i think that that clip is actually yeah, like they actually got that on the one of the one of the images on the back of the DVD or the Blu-ray. Anyway, but that's 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 it for her. And, he, and so this guy, the actor, he has to play both shocked but kind of happy at the same time as he's kind of getting away. Like, yeah, it's that's pretty bad. Yeah, pretty pretty well done, man. Um, tropes, tropes. 
uh, some of the tropes that I had were uh, again uh, it being a horror anthology. Maybe maybe the first. Oh yeah, I have the 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 hypocritical or the abusive father. And we have the one that slapped his kid. Then we got the other one that was wanting his cake and caused his daughter a biatch. Yikes. <laughs> I've got the killer gets killed. That being one, Leslie Nielsen. Uh, I can hold my... I always said that for the, <laughs> for the quotes. <laughs> um, uh, that, I think that's it for me. I have the uh, opening the forbidden item. You got a crate that says, yeah. warning, keep out, do not open. Let's go ahead and open Let's this. do it. Uh, well, Jesus, the, why didn't anybody tell me? <laughs> uh, they did. <laughs> they locked it. And they Everything. Yeah, hit it underneath the steps. Um, the tropes. Uh, one with the, uh, I guess the kid that gets his revenge reminds me of Tales from the Hood. Uh, when the kid yeah. is like getting, <laughs> <laughs> and also just had weak bones. <laughs> but when she, when he, <laughs> he also gets revenge on his dad. Yeah, what the? They call him monster. You know, just oh. rip it, rip. Ah, he turns so all the way around. Of, yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. The kid uh, getting the revenge through like a supernatural way. That's true. So even again, yeah, man, you think about these different anthology films. I forgot about Tales from the Hood. Tales from the Hood, absolutely. Yeah, um, is a, a successor for Creep Show. Um, and I got you know the the woman that, or I should say that the person that tears down somebody else or bullies somebody else, they finally get theirs in the end, okay. which also could relate to the dad as well. Absolutely. And I'm sure there are There's tons. Yeah. Yeah, definitely some some other tropes. Um quotes. Yeah, I mentioned this one earlier. This is the, the father at the beginning. That's why God made fathers. <laughs> um the the next episode was like, I want my cake. It's happy Father's Day. It's mm. Father's Day. I want my cake. My cake. He was like a big kid clapping that cane on that on that chair. Like, what is going on? He literally made his daughter go crazy for real, and had had her her fiance killed. That's right. Yeah, doing in the fourth. Blah. Dang. What? That is. That's right. I missed that part. And it, when I listened back to it, um, that scene, or even before that, they talked about how the dad made his fortune. It was like they said through extortion, through. Uh, it was all illegal stuff. Like this, like this guy was like this guy's like a bribery criminal. Extortion. Yeah, it was bribery extortion and through Blackmail. like 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 murder for hire or something like that. I was like, wait a minute, this guy was a oh, no international wonder. criminal. <laughs> not the, you, this is not the guy to piss off. And then somebody said, I think he probably made a deal with the devil. That like so I'm like, oh, I didn't didn't catch that. But yeah, there's a lot of like little things in there. Um, but another quote. Uh, is uh again this is this is Jordy, Stephen King's character, who after a while seeing like this stuff sprout up sprout up on him, he sits there and he kind of has this revelation. And says, "I'm growing." <laughs> what? <laughs> oh man, this dude is uh not quite right. Not quite there. Um, one of my last quotes is the kid. He was like, you know, just getting you know revenge on his dad, and he's like, "I'll teach you to throw away my comic books, Dad." Mm. <laughs> yes, he will. <laughs> Using this voodoo yeah. doll and puncturing them yeah. and stuff. Like, what in the world? Oh, man. Um, this is also Jordy again. We kind of alluded to earlier. He goes to the bathroom and he maybe he's taking off his clothes. He goes to the bathroom and he's like, looks at his body and he's like, oh, no, not down there. <laughs> Apparently, the growth has gone everywhere. 
Um, Yikes. Uh, this is again um, Henry when he writes the letter to Billy to entice her to come down to the university. He ends the note by saying, "After all, what would I do without you?" Yeah, because she is constantly saying that to him throughout the whole thing. What would you do without me? Oh, that's just man. She's a handful. Indeed. Uh, and this is this is the um. This is the guy with the roaches. What, what's his character's <laughs> name? E.G. No, that was the actor. Yeah. Mr. Something. Do you know who I am? Mr. Pratt. Upson, Upson Pratt. So Mr. Pratt says, once you get bugs, you never get rid of them. Dang. Real talk. And then this is lastly, he says this to one of, uh, Mr. Um, Upson says this to one of his employees. You done well. You done well, George. Go out and f somebody, but wear rubber. Everybody has the herpes these days. <laughs> wow. Dang. Ruthless. That's all I got for quotes. Do you have any questions for the filmmakers? Uh, I do have one question in particular, and this has to do with the um, something that tied you over when um, one gentleman played by Ted Danson, when he is being led to the water, uh, Harry Wentworth. Yeah. Being led to the, the waters by Richard Vickers, played by Leslie Nielsen, who has pre-dug a hole in the sand for him, and he yeah. tells Wentworth, "Get in there, get in the sand," and he's got a gun, got a gun on him. My question is, you know, if you get in that hole, you're not getting out. Yeah. Whether someone has a gun on you or not, why would you, why would you still get in the hole? Why not say? And he does put up a little bit of resistance, but I'm like, yeah, why not say, yeah, you're gonna have to shoot me. Yeah, absolutely. How would you handle that situation, Reginald? You're going to have to shoot me. Agreed. I'm like, not going to go. If I'm going to go down, it's not going to be neck deep in the sand. You know, drowning. Yeah, oh, that's the worst. Might as well just bleed out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to bust a cap at me. Yeah. Like I said, just bleed out because that's, that just doesn't make sense. Cause, Snipe. <laughs> yeah, because going into a, a hole and somebody slowly bury you. Nah. That's like, ah, uh, you're not, you're not, you, your plan is not to let me out. Like, mm -hmm. come on, let's, let's be real here. Come on, man. Come uh, on, buddy. Uh, come on. Trivia. I'll be quick with my trivia. Yes, sir. These comics were forbidden fruit of the 50s for the kids. And mentioning the comic books that um, Creepshow was inspired by. Indeed. Um George Romero actually sold the, the crate or one of the crates <laughs> that were used from that uh, uh, crate scene from the, uh, the monster because uh, someone, one of his family members was actually scared to go up to his office because he had, he had, a, uh, one of those, he had the crate in his office. Funny. Uh, the kid that uh, played the guy's son at the beginning of the movie and then at the end, that was uh, Stephen King's son, Joe King. Yes, sir. And King was actually afraid of the actor... Um, actually hitting his son. Oh snap! And he said, "You gonna you gonna actually hit him?" And the guy's like, "I'm a professional actor." <laughs> He's like, "Of course not." He goes, "Yeah, he'll he'll feel my fingertips touch his face, but it's not gonna hurt him." So he had to kind of assure Stephen that his son wouldn't be hurt. Stephen was like, "I I, I think I'll kill you." <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll write about it. <laughs> yep, sell millions. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so Tom Savini, uh, he's a f FX 
uh, special effects legend. He was in Dust Till Dawn. He was the guy that had the pistol on his belt. Tom Savini. All right. Uh, also, Michael Cornick was involved with the transfer. Who Michael Cornick, also was the, the, the director of photography, was actually involved with the transfer of the original negatives to the 4K version of the film. Indeed, there was no real comic book called um, Creepshow, but the animator the animator used frames from the film to create those panels and things. Yeah, so there's actually a nice feature on that within the uh, the, the Blu-ray where, he, where he, they actually go back to some of his original work. Mm-hmm. You can see where he started the animation and all that kind of stuff. Um, the ashtray that's used in Father's Day to, to, to kill the father Bing. is actually in four of the other stories as, oh, an, as, an, as an Easter egg. I didn't catch any of those. I, that, I, only, I learned that from, the, from that first commentary. It came up, uh, you know, looking for it. Actually, it's supposed to be in all the stories, yeah. but the only one where you, like, it, where you can't see it is in the, the death of, of Jordy because like, it may have gotten cut in, in editing, mm-hmm. but it is, it is all, um, it's, it's, a, it's used as a soap dish in the uh, they creep up on you when when the guy's washing his hands. Mm. It, oh. It's um, it's it's in the uh, the crate. It is it's in it's in the study of of, of Henry when he goes to to grab some items to write the letter. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I think I think that's where it's at, and I don't I don't remember where it's at in the. Uh, uh, something to tide you over. I think maybe I think it's in maybe Leslie Nielsen's place somewhere. Nonetheless, though, it was it was used throughout. <clears throat> George Romero is one of my last ones. George Romero he edited the the the, the Ted Danton one. Um, the tide what's it called the tide something to tide you over something to tide you over. Um, he says you never as an editor you, you can never bring it all together as you see it in your mind because you are kind of just limited by the footage. Um, but overall, they had. Five different, just kind of more like a filmmaker tip, but it, it kind of goes with his. They had different editors for each story. Yeah, they actually highlight that on IMDb to kind of give mention to who edited what under the editor section. So, Paul, Pasquale Buba, he edited The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. Paul Hirsch of Star Wars fame uh, edited The Crate. Like you said, George Romero edited Something to Tide You Over. And Michael Spolin edited Father's Day. <laughs> I finally got my gag. <laughs> um, another bit of trivia was that uh, every time they did the 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 stunt where Jordy blew his fertilizer brains out, <laughs> that the actual costume would catch fire, oh, and they had to like, <laughs> like put, put it out. But the guy inside didn't. He didn't even know. He was like, oh, they put it out for him, but. But they, they, had, they had it under control on set. Man. Any more trivia? Uh, yeah. The, the film was actually shot, shot in both New Jersey and in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, Tom, Savini, Tom Savini actually lost partial range of motion of one of his thumbs Damn. from one of the claws that they had made for Fluffy. Holy crap. The creature in the crate for when he would like swipe stuff. One of the one of the one of the claws was like made out of copper or something like that. Like it was like pretty like sharp, and somehow it ended up hitting his thumb or whatever. And so he lost like kind of partial range of motion in his thumb from from that. I know how that goes. I lost 
partial um, mov- movement in my pinky because the tendon was sliced. Yikes. Yeah. I probably didn't go to the surgeon and get that together. Yes, sir. Um, one of the trivia. Uh, Stephen King had to have his chest shaved to apply the, the moss ah, to it. He was his very hairy, very hairy chest, according to one of the uh, people over the special effects. You hairy man. Now it's time for Filmmaker Tips. What you got? When working on restorations, the technicians who are doing the restoring would like to typically work with at least one person from the original production. That was according to Michael Cornick, who again was involved with the transfer to the 4K. Uh, George Romero, he said, in horror, it's better not to know the actors or better that when you watch the, the show, you don't know who they are because uh, you don't know what will happen to them. So you can be like surprised. Usually when it's somebody that's real famous, more like they're not going to die. Uh, as we saw in Scream, when we saw Drew Barrymore, it was like, oh, okay, she's going to be in the film. But no, that's not the case. Which that all kind of stems, that original thing was kind of done initially in Psycho. Oh, okay. Yeah. You ever seen Psycho? Mm-mm. Only seen portions. I haven't seen the whole thing through. You ever seen the beginning? Only see the infamous murder scene. Shower scene? Yep. You should watch it sometime. Maybe that'll be one with our covering. Maybe. It is October. I saw American Psycho. That's another. That's a, that's, that's a good one. That is a good one. Uh, Tom Savini worked with the creator of the, uh, or one of the people involved with the howling, and I helped him get the influence for the design of Fluffy's head. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The howling, which we did cover. That's right. Um, if you don't have a house, just use a matte painting. So apparently on the beach where they shot at, which was, uh, I think it was in Jersey. Jersey, yeah. uh, The beach was deserted. So they were able to do what they needed to do. But the back part, that house was just a a matte painting. And so, you know, lost lost technique from the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great stories can outlast stylings. Now, even though the styling of the, the, the creep show is maybe a little dated, uh, based on the, the, the time and, and the kind of aspects of the genre, yeah. it's still highly lauded for um, kind of what it did with the, the horror genre. Absolutely. Uh, when Ted Danson, when he his head is in that water, they actually built a tank around him. And uh, whenever they need to give him water, they use like scuba gear to kind of give him the water. Uh, I just thought that was very interesting. I was wondering, like, I was looking at this, I was like, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. And they and George Romero actually had a hammer close by just in case that they were like super cautious in case something happened. They were ready to break that glass to get him out of there. It's a very dangerous. Uh, it's like things you wouldn't think are dangerous. Well, that is, that is dangerous. Um, but like how if you've never experienced, you know, just being buried up to your neck in something, you would think, oh, it's just dirt. I can get out. But no, no, you can't. I think Leslie Nielsen says it best that you don't you don't have any leverage. Yeah. What do you, what do you, when you're in sand, how do you, and you're underneath it, like how do you push off and and out of it? And then too, the water, apparently when it gets wet, the sand, when it gets wet, it feels like cement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how people make sandcastles. It's the worst way to die. That's how people make sandcastles. Get that sand a little wet, compact it. Yeah. Um, CO2 was used to slow the roaches' movement down. <laughs> roaches are quick little buggers. I'm sure you all know. If, yeah. you, if not in person, at least you've seen. You could watch a video 
if you watch this movie, you, you know, they can move quick. So they use CO2 to slow them down. Some even mentioned they may have actually put them in refrigerators to like just kind of slow, you know, slow down their metabolism, oh, move them, have them move less quickly. But also, uh, you can use Vaseline to guide a roach where you want or don't want it to go. Apparently, if you put like a line of Vaseline down, a roach will not cross it. So these roaches were different. So apparently, they said that to the guy, like you could put the the <laughs> Vaseline at the top. And then when they, they all spread at the end because of the lighting or whatever, he said the roaches went up to the top and went over it. No, <laughs> like, these are different roaches. These ain't American roaches. Yo, they were, yeah, they they were thinking from like Trinidad or from other places they were brought mm-hmm. in. But they they mentioned that like they, these guys like they were like they like grew these roaches that they they basically took them to this cave with a bunch of um, bat guana mm-hmm. and like put them all in there or whatever and like that's where they, they were like kind of populate from. But they were like. Sometimes if a bat fell off into the, the, the area where they were hatched, they would take that bat, turn it inside out, and eat the damn thing. I don't know. That's uh That's rough. Yeah, but I, they, uh so I can go I can go further about this whole roach thing. So if you need a roach, one roach in New York uh costs fifty cents. Fifty cents a piece for one roach. So they didn't have two hundred and fifty thousand for the amount of roaches they needed. Mm-hmm. So the producer reached out to some entomologists. Uh, from a museum of natural history and asked where they can get roaches. So the, the people like, we can get them for you. And so they, they went to Trinidad and collected them. And that, um, so apparently roaches live in bat crap, which is called the guana, that stuff. Um, so they bred, so they brought back 18,000 roaches and bred them in a roach motel. And they ended up with about 150,000 of them. Wrong. And every scene where you see that, because like roaches scatter, and so every scene where you see the roaches scattering, every time they had to review that scene, they had to gather them back up and then drop them again. And they were scattered. Disgusting. The lady said, like there'll be a full bucket of roaches, and then when they gather them up, it might be half of them. <laughs> they escaped. Yo. And so here's the thing. So. They had to return different items that they borrowed while on set, like phones. Like they rented out those phones that they used, and when they returned those phones, people said like they found like roaches inside. Like, <laughs> of they, got, they got they got angry calls. <laughs> they got angry calls with our roaches in the phone. <laughs> I'm here to damn it. I'm here to damn it. That, that. Hold on, let me get another phone. Let me get another line. That is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. And they said even when people had to be on set for those scenes where they work with the roaches, like you had to like. Band your belt like tight, like tight, like put the band like special things around your shoes so there was nothing that roaches could like just get Climb inside in. of. I can't fool. Sometimes they're falling from the ceiling. It's like, like I don't care who you are. Like you say, you're a roach wrangler. Come on, come on. Buddy. So those guys are entomologists. So apparently they were like waist deep in all the roaches, like just gathering them up, like no big deal. More he said it you. was so many of them that they're literally floating on the roach bed, like being carried basically. Ugh. That's that's disgusting. Uh, I got roaches are just oh, they're so ugly, man. They're just an ugly ass animal, and they're big. And you got some roaches are the size of their hand, like they come in all different sizes. It's just like when again, if you see a flying roach, yeah, it seems wholly unnatural. It seems unholy. It like, is, and then the, the sound, the fact that they live in crap, it makes it it makes perfect sense. Uh, aside from like how they're grown, they actually say roaches are actually like pretty clean. 
They're, again, now this is not that. I'm not saying they smell good or whatever, but they say like they they groom themselves up like that. But they're, <laughs> they're, they're, their origins are filthy. That's just pretty. For those, you know, to be you're born in crap. That's a pretty filthy, <laughs> filthy, filthy start. It's a shitty start. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's very ambitious what they did, but they they got the desired effect at the oh, end of the day, yeah. and so. And apparently, we, we love making movies. <laughs> we love making movies. <laughs> so apparently, cockroaches emit an order when they're scared. They they say when the the order is that they they they're crapping on themselves. They they release their eggs like like when they're scared, everything comes out. They're like, <laughs> run! Oh, because they said it makes them lighter to run. Like, Get them out! <laughs> <laughs> What a mess. They're efficient little buggers. They're like, don't, don't fail me now. <laughs> Feet don't fail me now. They, they literally stop, drop, <laughs> run to the next shop. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. That's disturbing. <clears throat> Our apologies for those that are, uh, <laughs> this, hey, it's a creep show. It is what it so, is. Yeah, it is definitely, that last one is made to definitely creep you out. Um, yeah, that's. Um, for years, George Romero had a commercial production company that produced commercials, etc. I noticed that on his IMDb that there were various commercials mm-hmm. that he was um, that he had done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of my last ones was the temporary. There was, so when the movie was finished, they used temporary music, and then the first AD, so happened to be John, was like, "Hey, I can I can do music," and so that's how they recruited their composer. Huh. Nice. That's all I got, man. What about you? That's all I got as well. And what are we jumping into next time? Next time here on Filmmaker Commentary, we are going to dive into Scream 6. Yes, indeed. Welcome to October. (laughs) And if you dare, you can find us on Facebook.com forward slash Filmmaker Commentary. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. No iTunes, SoundCloud, oh. Spotify, yeah, and some episodes still on Stitcher Radio, older ones. But yeah. you might as well it's migrate, migrate to the yeah. to the other platforms. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter. He is at Reggie Titus. I am at KCG Smith thirty two. We're also on the Gram, Instagram at Filmmaker Commentary. He is at Reginald Titus Junior. That's Jr. And I'm at KCG Smith thirty two. Until next time, peace, respect. <laughs>